before I go to Matthew 6, 25 to 34, we're going to see the context for Jesus teaching how to pray, teaching the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 7. When you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Then just 14 verses later in Matthew's gospel, we get the following teaching of Jesus, which is this one that's on the screen. Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, pray with me. Overlook the din outside and pray with me. Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In our series about prayer, and specifically the Lord's Prayer, we've come to the seven words, and it's only seven words, give us this day our daily bread. In the Lord's Prayer, this line is the first time that the prayer, the person who's praying, is mentioned at all. The lines that have come before this, our Father in heaven, hallowed, we talked about hallowed versus hallowed a few weeks ago, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. These involve the person praying because they talk about God and the relationship of the person praying to God. But this line is the first time Jesus gives us the prayer to use to ask for something. And that's pretty important to us, isn't it? One of the main things we do when we pray is ask for something, maybe not stuff, 
But one of our main reasons for praying is to ask. And here, Jesus tells us how to ask rightly. So how does he do it? This section of Matthew, and the reason I went back to read the actual Lord's Prayer instruction, starts with some important instructions about how not to pray. Specifically, it tells us not to heap up empty phrases or to use lots of words because we think other people are going to hear them and be impressed. All these words don't matter, Jesus tells us, because our Father knows what we need before we ask. That's the context for the Lord's Prayer. Our Father knows what we need before we ask. And yet, Jesus goes on to teach us how to pray. We see that same teaching just a few verses later in Matthew. And anytime something gets repeated in the Bible, we should pay attention. It's not by accident. So Jesus says again, this time, talking about food and drink and clothing, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Cool out, Christians. Do not worry. God knows what you need. If that's true, if God knows what we need before we ask, what are we saying when we say those seven words, give us this day our daily bread? I think we're saying at least three things, and gimme, as in gimme more stuff, is not one of them. When we pray this line, it's not a demand. It's not an expression of entitlement. It's not a frivolous request for more. It's instead a statement of trust in God's grace that God provides just exactly what we need. First, when we say, give us, we're actually claiming God's grace for all of us. With the verb give, we're acknowledging that whatever we have, And whatever we will have in the future comes to us as a gift, freely given of God, unearned, undeserved, but given just the same. We're saying that we trust that the God who has given will keep on giving, that the God whose grace has brought us safe this far, just as we just sang in Amazing Grace, that same God will give us the grace it takes to be led home. And this grace isn't just for any one of us alone. Jesus didn't teach us to pray, give me this day my daily bread. But taught us instead to claim together as a whole community that God's gifts are for the entire body. The person in the mirror, the people at our dinner table, the people coming to this communion table, and the people doing those same things all around the world. One commentator describes this, give us our, this plural language, as God's wide-angle lens. I love that image. It teaches us not just to think about other people, but to have a prayer list that spans the globe, that considers all the people who are fed at the same table. Friends, we have been graced. Give us. This day. It's no accident that Jesus taught us to pray for the needs of this day. This isn't to say that we're supposed to sort of forget about the future, to be irresponsible, not to plan or look ahead. 
but it is to keep us close, to keep us praying every day to the God who provides every day. And it is also to protect us from our own anxieties, which frankly would balloon out of control and change our lives in terrible ways. Today's trouble was enough for today, Jesus said. Today's trouble is just about all we can manage. And when our trust in God's regular, every single day provision for us starts to wane, we can look to the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet God feeds them. We can look to the lilies of the field, clothed in glory and smelling beautiful, even if they're going to be dry grass tomorrow. When we pray, give us this day, we affirm our trust. In fact, at this service, every single week, when we stand in a circle at the end, what do we sing? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Every morning. That's a day. One day. We have a new creation, new mercies from our God every morning. God knows what tomorrow will bring, so we don't have to waste today worrying about it. Our hope can rest in this day and our trust that God will, in fact, provide our daily bread. Now, what our daily bread is might seem a little obvious at first glance. On one level, it's food, right? The, word that, the Greek word that's translated bread here is actually food, and it's often translated bread, but sometimes appears just to be food. Our daily bread on one level is the sustenance we need in order for our bodies to keep functioning, to keep working, and more broadly, the provision of our basic needs so we can keep living. Jesus said, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Indeed, your heavenly Father knows You need all these things. So on one level, daily bread is the stuff that keeps us alive. For so many in our world and people here in our very own community, daily bread is about getting enough, about having enough to eat, having enough to drink, having enough to wear to be sheltered from the elements. Their prayer for daily bread is about surviving another day. But for others around the world and here in our very own community, a prayer for daily bread might mean taking a hard look at enough from the other side of the coin. It might mean stopping at enough and not going to excess. It might mean eating or drinking or taking or having or using only enough and sharing the rest. It might mean reevaluating what it is we actually need in order to live. It might mean taking a posture of reliance on God that flies in the face of a self-centered culture where the things we want come to us disguised as things we need. Jesus taught us to worry about the needs of today Daily bread isn't a promise for full storehouses, but it is an assurance that we will have for today 
what we need for today. After I finish, we're going to sing together a song that we've sung here before called Take to the World. Its first stanza says, Go in peace to love and to serve. Let your ears ring long with what you have heard. And may the bread on your tongue leave a trail of crumbs to lead the hungry back to the place that you are from. For many among us, there are crumbs. There's extra, more than we need just to survive today. If we took only our daily bread, how much more could we share? How much more would there be to lead the hungry back to the table and back to God who has fed us? For it is God who has fed us. Daily bread is not just food and drink, but it's the fuel for our spiritual journey as well. Friends, it's Jesus Christ. It's the bread of heaven. It's the meal we share at this table. It's the death and resurrection we'll remember three weeks from now at Easter. That is also daily bread. And that is nourishment we need not just at Easter, not just on Sunday, but every single day. God knows that we need literal food and that we need the bread of heaven. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're also trusting that the daily bread we receive will be just exactly what we need. We're claiming that if God feeds the birds and clothes the lilies in glory, God is surely looking after us. I have a memory of this kind of trust seared in my brain from childhood. There's a place in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, that was a government-owned or government-subsidized old folks' home. And it was not the kind of place where folks came to visit. It was not an assisted living facility or a retirement community. It was not a nursing home. This was the kind of place where older people lived when they couldn't afford to live anywhere else and they didn't have anyone to take care of them or to pay someone else to take care of them. It was in a nondescript building behind the Pepsi bottling plant, a place no one would notice or try to go to. We used to go there at Christmas when I was small, and we would sing carols, and we would give out brown paper lunch bags, you know, the ones just this big, with tissues and socks and combs and peppermint candies and sometimes a candy cane. The building itself was kind of wonky. The, the rooms didn't line up. So to go from room to room, you had to go up or down a ramp or up or down some stairs because somebody had just kept adding rooms. So to get to the last one, you had to go through all the others to get to the end. There were people everywhere. Some of them were watching TV, but most of them were just sitting, just sitting all day. Some cried and moaned and yelled and wailed. And my little brother was scared of that place. There was a woman we met there. and My mom has talked about her over the years. I have no idea, frankly, how old she was, because when you're small, everyone seems old. I thought my grandmother was really old then. Turns out she was 55. But I think this woman was actually old and quite frail and going blind, as it turns out. She lived there with those people 
around her who yelled and moaned and cried. And when we came, she sang carols with us. In her slippers, next to her twin bed, over the den, she sang. And when we were finished singing carols, she sang for us. Every year, the same song, as she got older and more frail and more blind, she sang, His Eyes Are on the Sparrow. Y'all know that old song? Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. From a place full of forgotten people, that is trust in the grace of God, friends. That is trust that if God watches a tiny bird, God surely knows what we need. Do we believe that today? Are we willing to rest in enough to turn our reliance to God? Are we willing to pray every day? God, give us this day our daily bread. Amen.